0: Hello, and welcome to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. In this weekly podcast, you'll be inspired and equipped through the power of God's Word to live an overcoming life. To lift people to another level, a leader must be secure in who they are and live generously with what they have been given. It starts with a desire to keep climbing and growing, and then caring enough to take others up. This week's message focuses on seven points on how we as leaders can lift people to a higher level. And now for this week's message. This afternoon, we're going to be talking about lifting people to another level. We're in a series this month called Devoted Leadership. Last week, we talked about leadership tests, and if you missed that, I really encourage you to go back, pick up that message. They're all available, of course, on podcast. You can pick it up there. As we go through life and lead and help others, we'll find ourselves running through different tests and One of the tests we talked about last week was a wilderness test. We talked about the test of small beginnings, those tests. So if you missed that, pick that up, and it'll encourage you, it'll help you as you grow in your leadership. As a church that's growing, we want to raise up leaders within the church. So That's one of the reasons we're doing it. But also, every one of us leads in some way or another. You have influence. You lead in your world, whether you're a parent or whether you're an uncle or an aunt or whether you're in your workplace or in your community or wherever we are, we lead. And so how can we lead better? How can we use what God's given us to help other people? Today, we're going to talk about lifting people to another level. In order to lift people to another level, you have to be secure who you are, and you also have to live very generously. A number of years ago, when Cheryl and I went down to Tennessee to take a year just to study, we ran into a man by the name of Brother Littlefield, and he pastored this Pentecostal church, and we weren't so sure... It was a church for us, but God somehow led us there. And here we arrived up in this little Pentecostal church, and our other friends were going to this other amazing church that was happening. We thought we should be there because that's where everything is happening. But God said, No, you stay put because I really want to train you here. And I'm so glad that we did because he turned out to be an incredible mentor to us. Only had one year with him, but boy, did he lift us to another level. He was so encouraging. He discovered something in us. He discovered that there was a ministry gift inside of us. I didn't think there was, but he thought there was. And he believed in us. He encouraged us. We went back to work in the oil industry and did ministry as well as that for a number of years. But I'm so grateful for that. One thing he said to us, he said, if you want to be in ministry or anything in life, he says, it's really not that difficult. Just find a need and meet it. If you find a need and meet it you can make a difference in this world. And you can take that with you today. You've probably heard that before, but it really is true, and it works. Today, on how to lift people to another level, we want to run through seven points. You have it in your notes, or you can scan the QR code there on your bulletin, bring it up on your iPhone or your smartphone that way. But seven things. Number one, to lift people to another level, you have to live on a higher level yourself with a desire to keep climbing. You can't take people to a place that you're not at. And you can't take people to a place if you don't want to keep climbing. God just assumes that you want to keep growing and learning in life. No matter how old you are. You could be here at 15 years of age. Or you could be here in your 20. You could be here at 30, 40. You could be here in 70. But you still have to keep growing. God desires that we continue to grow. There's a number of verses that I really like in the Bible about this. One is Proverbs 4:18. You can write it down there in your notes if you like. It says, but the path of the righteous... People is like the light of dawn that becomes brighter and brighter until it reaches midday. It doesn't say that your life gets dimmer and dimmer as you go through life. No, it gets brighter and brighter. At every age it continues to get brighter. Another verse that I like is found in Psalm eighty-four, verse seven, it says they go from strength to strength. In Romans one seventeen it says we go from faith to faith. In second Corinthians three verse eighteen it says we go from glory to glory. God wants us to keep growing really has a desire for us to succeed. There's a verse that's in your notes there, 3 John verse 2. It's the memory verse for the week. As you heard Pastor Shell say earlier, we have a memory verse for the month. That's in your bulletin. It's all, you can rip off that little tag. That's your verse for the month. This is the verse for the week. So there's two levels, of course. There's the gold level, which is one verse a month. And then there's the platinum level where you learn a verse every week. So 3 John verse 2, you may have already memorized it, but it's the verse for the week. It's there in your notes. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in hell just as your soul prospers. So if we want to lift people to another level, this is really fundamental, but it's really, really, really important. We won't lift people if we don't want to keep growing, if we don't want to succeed in life. So it's important that we learn that point. There was a quote that I put in your notes there from Fred Smith out of Leadership Magazine. He put it this way, the issue at its heart is accepting a worm theology, Scripture makes many statements about our human condition, both complementary and critical. The problem is that we're quick to accept the negative. We have a hard time accepting the positive, that God made man only a little lower than the heavenly angels and crowned him with glory and honor. Those who are most comfortable losing readily picture themselves not as children of a great God, but as worms. Now, compared to God, we are worms, but that's not the way He sees us. He made us from the dust, but He didn't intend us to live there. God doesn't intend for us to live in the dust. He intended us to prosper, to be in hell. He wants to take us to another place. We are his crowning creation. And if we don't really believe that about ourselves, and if we don't like ourselves, how would we love somebody else enough to lift them? So this is fundamental. You have to want to climb through life, and then you want to bring others with you. So that's the first point. We can't lift others up if we don't really believe that ourselves. Sometimes we need to just take a step back and ask ourselves, who am I lifting? Today, you could ask that question, who am I lifting to another level right now? Are others going with me? If not, why not? Why am I not lifting other people? Here's four reasons. You can write them down on the side of your notes why people don't lift others. The number one reason is low self-image. The number two reason is insecurity. Ever been around somebody who wanted to pull people down to their level? We're not called to pull people down to a level. We're called to lift people up to another level. The resurrection was an updraft, not a downdraft. And uh, we're called to be an updraft in life, not a downdraft in life. Really, you need one arm. You should have somebody lifting you up. We live in a world where there's coaches and there's mentors and accountability partners and there's a coach, a business coach and a work coach and a health coach and all kinds of coaches in life. And we have coaches to lift us up, which is cool. We should have that spiritual coaches, but we also, with the other hand, should be lifting up somebody else. If we just want to be lifted up lifted up, that's not healthy. Every one of us, I'm convinced, could be lifting somebody else up. And we're healthy when we do that. We have influence. There's people in our life, and you lift people up with that other hand. One of the reasons we don't lift people up is low self-image or we're insecure in who we are. Another reason we don't lift people up is ego. People with ego issues often believe that another's success means they failed. They feel better when people around them achieve less or when somebody goes on to do bigger things than they did. That's an ego issue, and that'll cause you to not want to lift somebody else up. And then another reason is just personality. You know, one of the reasons we don't lift other people up may just be our own personality and things that we need to work on. John Maxwell said this, all things being equal people will do business with people they like. All things not being equal, they still will. You'll do do business with people. Personality is a big part of lifting other people up. If If the way we come across is critical, condescending, aloof, argumentative, defensive, or lone ranger, we tend not to lift other people up. So the way we treat people, our personality, has a lot to do with lifting others up. So again, the first point, if we want to lift others up, we have to live on a higher level ourselves and have a desire to keep climbing in life. Number two, we have to want to care. We care enough to take others up. The verse for this is Matthew 5, verse 1 and 2. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. This is a sermon on the mount. He climbs the hillside. When those who apprenticed to him The committed climbed with him, arriving at a quiet place. He sat down, I like this part, and taught his climbing companions. Jesus had climbing companions. Do you guys have some climbing companions, somebody climbing with you? He took them with him up the mountain. So he cared enough to take people with him. So that's the second point. We need to care to take people with us. Who are we caring about? Who are we taking with us? Are we just thinking about ourselves? The third thing is, number three, you have to discern the gifts in others, and if you're the right person to lift them. That's an important point. You have to find out the gifts. Psalm 127, verse 4, talking about family, says, it's like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one youth. Now, your kids, they're obviously people that you're supposed to lift up. Cheryl's had this talk with our children a number of times, especially when they were younger. They thought another mummy or another daddy might be doing a better job. Uh, and uh, maybe you said to your parents at some point, you no, I wish they were my mom or I wish they were my dad. And Cheryl would sit them down and say, you know what? God knew what he was doing. I am the very best mummy for you, and that's the very best daddy for you. And so when it comes to life, yes, absolutely, our children are the ones we're supposed to lift. And part of our responsibility is to find out what gifts they have on the inside of them. This is like an arrow in the hand of a warrior. What do we do? We take that child, we we train them, we raise them up, we put them in the bow, and release that arrow at some point, and we believe for them to hit a bullseye. And when we encourage other people, Brother Littlefield, he only encouraged us for that one year, but he helped us hit the target with the gift that we have in our life. Likewise... When we lift up other people, our whole objective is to help that person hit the target, hit the bullseye with their life. It's a great verse for that. There's another verse that's interesting in there, Acts chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. This is about Paul and how he discovered Timothy and he lifted Timothy up. He discovered gifts in him. It says, Paul arrived in the city of Derbe and then went to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived. Timothy's mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was Greek. The believers in Lystra and Iconia spoke well of Timothy. And then 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul writes to him and he says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. You know what Paul's saying to Timothy here? Timothy, there's something big on the inside of you. I see it. There's something in you. And I'd love for you to come with me. Now, you can't take everybody with you, but you can lift somebody. There's just not enough of you to go around, but you can lift a couple people. You can lift somebody to another level. And Paul says to Timothy, I see something in you, and I want you to come with me because I believe something big is on the inside of you. You have to discern the gifts that are in other people, and if you're the right person to lift them. Now, you can't lift somebody if they don't respect you. You can't do it. If they don't respect you, if they don't give you your hand, their hand, well, you can't lift them. You can't force them. So it has to be some chemistry there where they respect you, where they, they're teachable. They want to learn from you. So you might ask, well, how could I, How would I know if they respect me? How would I know this person that I'm supposed to lift up? How? Who should I help? How would I know that? Here's a good clue. If they ask you questions, how did you do that? If they say to you, hey you got this new computer program. I have no idea how to do that. How did you do that? I'm selling real estate, and I want to get my product out there, but I'm having a hard time figuring this out. You're doing it. How did you do that? You just found somebody to lift. You just can give, but you say, oh, I don't know if I want to do that because if I teach them how I did this, they might sell more houses than I do. Now, now you got to go back up there. you got an insecurity or an ego problem, so get that solved. Get it out of the way. It's not about you, it's about helping somebody else along the journey of life. Or it could be a musical instrument, whatever, but you say, what are they asking? That's a good clue. Are they teachable? Do they receive from you? Do they respect you? If they don't respect you, it's, you're wasting your time, really. You find people that want to learn from you, that want to draw it out of you. There's a verse in your notes that still waters run deep, but a man of understanding draws it out. People that draw stuff out of you, Those are the people that you can lift to another level. And I'm convinced, I really am convinced that everybody could lift somebody here in our city. And if everybody was a good neighbor and lifted somebody, what might happen? What would happen in your family? What would happen in your workplace? What would happen in your building? What would happen? It's in anything in life, certainly also in our life groups. We have more life groups that are coming on stream. Next month, we have a whole bunch of new life groups that are going to be birthed, and we have apprentices in our life group. Who in our life group? We say, you know what? You could do this. You're asking questions about it. You could lead a life group, or you could lead an alpha group. Come on. Let me lift you up and help you to do it. This is what we do. Now, you can't help everybody. Like begets like. You know... Brad's an amazing worship leader, and he, he does the worship here at our church, and, and uh, a number of months ago, he went to have voice lessons. Now, I wish I could have said to Brad, Brad, let me take you to the next level and give you some voice lessons, but I would not have taken him to the next level, because I haven't been there, haven't climbed there. As a matter of fact, I can't climb there. I tried music lessons. My parents tried music lessons. Three years of piano, didn't get past grade one, so they said, that's not working, so then they put me into a band. They gave me a trumpet. That didn't work. So then my dad bought me a guitar, and the guitar didn't work. And the only thing I can play is a harmonica. I can play a couple songs in a harmonica, and that's it. But I, I'm, I am not the vo- I can't lift you to another level to do voice. They suggest I sing tenor. Ten or 11 miles away is best. That's what they suggest. <laughs> I was sitting right here where Landry is in a service one time. We had a a special service, had some guest ministers. And one of my pastor friends from out of town was standing beside me. I'm clapping to the song. I'm engaged in worship. And he leaned over me and he said, Dave, either you have to stop clapping or we all have to stop clapping. But this ain't working. Because I just, music is not my first gift. So there's no point in me trying to lift you to another level of music. It's not going to work. I have to discern the gift. What can I give to lift you? Every one of us can lift somebody. You have a gift. And if you're growing, well, take somebody with you. And you have to find out whether or not they'll receive from you. though that's, that's important as you go along. And again, dealing with ego, personality, some of those things help qualify you to lift other people up. Yeah. Hmm. Number four is share the vision and invite them along. Not only do we care about people, find the right people, we have to share the vision. Vision is what gets somebody to go with you. Just think about it. If you climb a mountain, you come back from your hike, and you say, it was amazing. It was so exciting. Well, then you might want to go with that person. Invite them to come along with you. There was a climber, a guy who came come down from Mount Everest, And later on, he was interviewed by this television reporter because some people had died on the hike. It was a very challenging expedition. And they they asked this interviewer, asked the guide, they said, you know, why would anybody seriously risk all this to climb Mount Everest? Why would you do that? And the guy just said, obviously, you haven't been to the top. It wasn't that hard. If you were there... If you saw it, you'd want to be there. He was so passionate about taking people to the top of Mount Everest. And when you want to take people to another level, you got to be excited about the level you're at, right? I mean, if you're not excited about it, why would anybody want to go? A number of years ago, we were just before we moved to Tennessee, take that year of studying there, we were busy working at different companies, and the Billy Graham crusade came to the city. And the organizer of the crusade was a friend of ours. And he said, you guys, you got to be involved with in this. It's amazing. Every night we're at the crusade and we're going to be doing this. And this is your role. And you're going to be helping with the cards. And afterwards, we're going to meet. And uh, we have this team that gets together. And sometimes Billy Graham comes back and says hi to people. And others are there and some singers. And it's a great opportunity just to to really do something for our city. Now, we have to leave that Sunday or that Saturday, but every night, Monday to Friday, we were engaged with it. Saturday, we worked all day at the crusade, and the next day we left. Why would anybody do that? Because somebody shared a vision with us and they said, Hey, you want to come along for the journey? And we were hungry to go. Where are you going? Is there any place exciting in your life, the purpose, the vision that you're called to do, the direction? Are you just busy? Busy doesn't count, activity doesn't count. Purpose Direction counts. That's important. Because sometimes we're just spinning our wheels, but we're not going anywhere. If you're going somewhere, whether it be in your career path or your parenting path or your leadership path, we're all called to influence, especially our spiritual walk. We should be taking somebody with us. Enthusiasm helps. Yeah. Because if you're not excited, I ain't going up there with you. If it was boring to you, Are you kidding? No, I'm not going. I'll find something exciting to do. Enthusiasm. It's the flywheel of life. Anybody know what a flywheel is? I just saw some blank looks out there. Flywheel, maybe it's a farming term, an industry term. It's not just in the farm. Any industry will have flywheels. It's a big, heavy wheel that gets started. and It takes it a while to get going, but it gets momentum. And if you hit a hard spot, that flywheel just keeps you going through it. Enthusiasm is like the flywheel of life. It just keeps you going through the hard times. And also, that momentum is contagious because, ooh, man, yeah, I want to do that. What are you doing today with your life that's connected with your gifts and talents, that's exciting, or what you're good at, that you could bring somebody along with you? I'm sure there's something. We never can outgrow it. You can be a grandpa and lift somebody up. No matter what age you're at, you can be in your teens. You can lift somebody younger. Keep lifting people up. This, my friends, is a great life lesson. Keep praying. Say, God, bring somebody to my life that knows you better than I know you. Bring somebody to my life that's a better realtor than I am, a better doctor than I am, a better preacher than I am, a better whatever you're at. God, bring people my life that are better. Stay teachable yourself, but also God, bring people my life that I can lift up. You get those two things working, life can be very fulfilling. Number, where are we at? Number four, we did that right. Number five, fertilize with encouragement and water with opportunity. You need both of those for this to work. Now, an interesting character to introduce here is a fellow who lifted Paul. Paul lifted Timothy, but who lifted Paul? That was a guy by the name of Joseph, who later became named Barnabas. His real name was Joseph, but he got a nickname. Anybody here today go by a nickname? you just you go yeah, some of you you just go. Now nicknames can be good or they can be bad. Because some of the nicknames we got in school weren't so good, but then some of the nicknames were good. Some nicknames stick, some don't. Barnabas. That's his nickname. It means encourager. And he got this nickname from the apostles. Because what happened was there was a big need. He sold some land. He gave the money to the church. The church was so encouraged by it, the apostles said, hey, from now on, we're going to call you encourager. So when Barnabas came in, that was what it meant. It meant that he was the encourager, arrived. Later on, Acts chapter 9, look at the verses, Acts 9, 26 and 27. Just, just notice here how that uh, Barnabas encourages Saul, who later became named Paul. When Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. Okay, let's stop there. He went to Jerusalem. He had this amazing experience on the Damascus road. We know prior to this, the church was afraid of him because he was putting people in jail. Some were actually being executed because of his work. He hated the church, and uh, so... They were afraid, and they wouldn't let him come to the meeting. It, it says here he tried to join the disciples. Have you ever gone to a place and you tried to be a member but you weren't accepted? Like I'm a good guy. Like please, I, I I want to be part of this. Paul just wanted to be part of it, but he couldn't be part of it. Now that's where we needed Barnabas. Aren't you glad for Barnabas? Because Barnabas comes along, the encourager, and you know what he does? He gives Paul a lift. He lifts them up, and he says to those apostles, you guys, I know what he did, but he changed. What he said was true. He has been preaching in the name of Jesus. He's not against us. He's for us. Open your arms. Let the guy join us. Woo! That's a lift. You know, sometimes we just need a break. Sometimes we can help a person get a job. Just open the door for them. Sometimes we can help somebody get into a building or get into the country or or do something. We just give them a lift. And that's what Barnabas does. He gives them a lift. He had to be secure to do that. He had to have a good self-image. He couldn't have an ego issue. And he must have had a warm personality. He gave Paul a lift. He encouraged him. He fertilized the calling that was on Paul's life with this encouragement. Then later on, he'd also help him by giving him an opportunity. See, what happened is Paul kind of disappears for a while and and he's overlooked by the rest of the church leadership. The church now is going to northern Greece. It's growing and they're in Antioch and they need a leader there. Barnabas is sent there. Barnabas could have been the main guy, the lead guy, but you know what he does? He goes and finds Paul and says, I think Paul's the guy for the job. So he goes and finds and brings him there. He could have been the lead guy, but he's giving him opportunity. See, if you want to lift people, you don't just encourage them. You say, have I got a chance for you? Come on, you can do it. If you're coaching a team, you see, oh, man, that guy could be a great player. And so you encourage him. Come on, you can do that. You can do it. And then comes the point, okay, I'm putting you in the game. Come on, you can do it. I'm giving you an opportunity. Have somebody believe in you is huge. I think it's just as big, though, when you can believe in somebody and they go on to do something even bigger than you did. This is an amazing thing because Paul would go on to do greater things than Barnabas did in many ways. And some of the people that we encourage in life, they have to be ready for this. They're going to go on to do greater things than you did, and you have to just rejoice with them. The Bible says, weep with those who weep, and rejoice with those who rejoice. Sometimes it's easier just to weep with people. Oh, I feel for you. I know it's tough. Oh, yeah, I can relate to that. That's almost easier than when somebody gets a promotion and you didn't or somebody does really good and you don't to say, yeah, that's so, I'm so happy for you. Sometimes Isn't it sometimes easier to weep with those who weep than to rejoice with those who rejoice? But we do both. We encourage them, and this is Great example. Barnabas does that. He is there and he's encouraging, fertilizing the seeds and giving him an opportunity. There's a poem that somebody wrote that really fits here well. It's called Diamonds in the Rough. A diamond in the rough is a diamond sure enough. For before it ever sparkled, it was made of diamond stuff. Of course, someone must find it or it never will be found. And someone must grind it or it never will be ground. And when it's found and when it's ground and when it's burnished bright... That diamond's everlasting, flashing out its radiant light. Old Christian, please, whoever you be, don't say you're ever done enough. The worst man on the street may be a diamond in the rough. This is a timely message for our church. I just think God's setting you up. If you think you're here by accident today, you're wrong. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, God's got somebody for you. I think this week we're going to discover people we could give a lift up to. It may be like Barnabas. He did it by financially doing it. He did it by reaching out and encouraging somebody. But we can lift other people up. Every one of us, no exceptions. They're people we can lift up to another level. Number six, look for ways to stretch them. When you lift people up, you have to believe in them and stretch them. Give them opportunities. Let them know they can do more than they think they can do. There's a quote in your notes. I think it's in there. If not, let me read it for you. It says, treat a man as he appears to be and you make him worse. Treat a man as if he already were what he potentially could be and you make him what he should be. In other words, you speak a life over him. Yesterday, we had the 12 Conference, which was a conference for small group leaders, and we had amazing speakers via Uh, video cast. We had Rick Warren and Bill Hybels and who else was on that? Stephen Furtick was one of the speakers. I like what Stephen had to say. Young pastor there in North Carolina, great church. His message was really simple. It was all talking about small groups and he said, you know what you need to do? Prophesy over your small groups. So I'm talking about lining people up and having a separate word for each one of them. I'm speaking life over them. Say, you are an amazing group. You are, you are, you're the group. You're, you're just speaking life over it. So often as dark words or heavy words, i just speak life. Just prophesy life over your group. Be a leader that speaks life. Boy, that fits here. You want to stretch them, speak life. Man, you can do it. Encourage them. Yeah. A rooster took his hens to see some ostrich eggs one day. And he said, ladies, I just want to show you what can be done. <laughs> Stretch them to higher places. Believe in them. Let them know they can do more. I was in Hong Kong, 1993. I brought this old Bible with me because it's the Bible I had with me then. And I'd gone to a service. Somebody had recommended it. I was back from India. On a trip there, and they said, stop in at Dennis Balcom's church, say hi to him for me, and uh, visit the church there. So I did. And they had a guest speaker that day by the name of Timothy Chen. And boy, I I sat there, and it was, ever been one of those services where you feel like the speaker is just speaking to you, like, this is just for me, and I don't know if anybody else is here, but this is all for me. That's what it was that day. After the service, I went outside, sat down on a bench, and I wrote in the back of my Bible, It was May 16th, 1993, 2.30 p.m. Went to Revival Christian Church with Dennis Belcom. During the service, I knew God would speak to me. I feel like there's something big inside of me, but need to be strong to do it. Then I put, the Holy Ghost is pushing on my personality. See, when you go to another level, it'll push on your personality. It'll take you out of your comfort zone. And I felt that. Timothy Chen from Taiwan, elder of many churches, prayed for me. He called me up after the service. He had prayed for me. I fought going up, but the Lord gave me no choice. Ever been there? To, I know I need to go for prayer. You don't want it, but you're just like, no, there's, I need to go. So I went up. He gave me the same scripture that I'd been studying. After the service, he took me aside and said that when he prayed for me, he saw a great light coming for me to help many leaders to proclaim. I, at this time, I still don't know where. How are you going to do this, God? But in that service, somebody gave me a lift. Somebody said, there's something bigger in you. Somebody pushed on my personality and said, there's more in you. I was the reserved one, Uh, introvert. After services, my wife said, come on, we're going to life group. We're going to go with these people. I'd be fine just being by myself, but God brought a change in my life to make me a leader. And I'm so glad that people help me go to the next level. And you'll help others go to another level. And it, you'll encourage them to stretch that they can do more. All right, we've got to wrap this up. Number seven, we want to help people shed the baggage. Seventh point, help people shed the baggage. Let me review them for you in case you missed them. Number one, on how to lift people to another level, is live on a higher level yourself with a desire to keep climbing. Number two... Care enough to take others up. Number three, discern the gifts in others, and if you're the right person to lift them. Number four, share the vision. Invite them along. It's a great hike. Number five, fertilize with lots of encouragement, water with opportunity. Give them a chance to do it. Number six was look for ways to stretch them. And then number seven, very important, help people shed the baggage. Sometimes we just have to let people know, Linus, you're going to have to let go of the blankie. The blankie can't come along. No. You're going to have to let it go. I know that's your pet blankie. I know that's your pet little bit of history. And your identity up to now has been when somebody done you wrong and you sing the somebody done me wrong song. Well, you're going to have to let that song go. You're going to have to put that aside because if you're going to no level, you're going to have to get rid of that. Or you keep talking about, but I won this one, I won this one. Okay, you got a trophy, you won it, that's nice, put it aside because now we're going to go to another level. You have to lay aside successes, you have to lay aside your failures, and you have to put aside your fears because they all can be baggage. If You want to go climb a mountain and they give you climbing rope and a backpack and certain gear, they don't let you take along your favorite little toys and your little, you got to let stuff go if you want to go the next level. And this here is where, as a leader, you have to encourage people sometimes. You know what? Honestly, you're going to have to let go of that. That's behind you now. Now we're going to another place. Look at some verses here. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert, be present. That would preach right there. Be alert, be present. Hard to take somebody up if they're not alert and present. If you want to climb Mount Everest, you better be alert and present. If your mind's wandering, you'll wander off the track, and you're going to get hurt. To climb, to go, be alert, be present. Hard to coach somebody in basketball or or piano or a computer program, wherever we're helping. So if they're not alert and present, you can't take them to the next level. This is what God's saying here. Forget it. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the bad land. Is that encouraging or what? Come on. I'm preaching to somebody this afternoon. God's got great things. ahead. He says, look at it. It's exciting. Your life's not over. It's not dull. It's not boring. There's great things ahead of you. I'm helping you. do. It. I'm doing it. Now, let go of some of that stuff that's holding you back. You have been walking around the mountain too long. Build a bridge, let's get over it, now let's move on, let's go there. And when we lift people, there's oftentimes I have to gently encourage them, let's let go of the baggage. We run a course called Freedom Sessions for that reason. If people are really hung up on something, we help them to let go of it so they can go on. Last verse, Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, Not that I've already obtained all this, or have arrived at my goal, But I press on to take hold for that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Amen. Keep pushing forward, but let's take somebody with us in the journey of life. Amen. In our walk with God, in our families, in our workplace, let us be lifting other people up. Thanks so much for listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. We hope that today's message has inspired you to live a life fully devoted to following Christ. Be sure to check out our website for other ways to watch, listen, or share this message. For more information, go to coastalchurch.org.